the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Too much content to fit into one daily show. Let's talk about it. As of today, the bankrupt Bed Bath & Beyond will no longer take your 20% off coupons. Now it's just a piece of paper. It has no value. Interesting. Start thinking about that. Credit card points. Use them before they have no value. Companies like Southwest, who is famous for their credit card, can change the terms of policy. And say 100 points is now worth 75 cents instead of a dollar. Just know that I regularly cash in my points for a variety of reasons, but that's a big one. What else do we have to talk about today? Yesterday was a sell off day, i.e. it was a little bit more than average. It felt a little bit. Where's the exit? In the last couple of weeks, the markets have started to hit their top in a, of traded range and failed to break through it. In the end, I think bear markets tend to last a year and a half on average to three years, maybe six months. If you're super lucky, we're about a year and a half in. I feel very comfortable. And yet I'm not expecting new highs this quarter or next quarter. New highs as far as 52 week highs, not annual yearly highs. Let's take a look at yesterday. We saw the NASDAQ down almost 2%. That's a pretty big drop. The SP 500 down one and a half. More value-oriented Dow down 1%. First Republic was down 49%, sitting at $8.10. I want to throw down some SmackDown commentary, WWE style here. We saw companies like Countrywide, which was a big mortgage processor, go down... 10, 15 years ago, in large part because Countrywide was doing things like liar loans, where you could be a DoorDash delivery person and you're honestly making 50000 but you want to qualify for a loan that's 200000 Typically, you qualify for about one and a half times your salary. Um, is a, a way of playing it. There's there's numbers, there's ways of playing this game. That's not quite the right number. Um, but liar loans came in, they were really introduced for professional athletes, I think. I mean, for the sake of the story, let's say that's true. Where Joe Montana wants to buy a house, but he doesn't really want to go through and prove his income to a mortgage company. That's even a bad example because Joe Montana was super rich. Um, let's use a different one. Average NFL player. It's for people who don't want paperwork. How's that? Is that better? But we started doing liar loans at Countrywide for everyone. And 
people were lying. They were stating that they had more revenue than they did and did get a loan. And then when poop hits the fan, they couldn't pay off their loan. Something similar happened to First Republic. Now, again, countrywide, there was a lot more than just that, but I'm just trying to simplify this into what we can walk away with. Um, First Republic was giving loans 2020, 2021 to people who there were jumbo loans where you didn't have to pay any principal for the first 10 years. Basically, the implication was your house will go up in value and you'll refinance it. But that was a lot of capital going out the door. And now that there's been a run on the bank, I kind of feel First Republic, something it's broken. Is this the Fed? It's a little bit of the Fed. But it was also bad product. And I bet if we go back and looked at countrywide credit, we'd say it was a little bit of the Fed, but it was also bad product. It was also repackaging of bad product and selling it to Wall Street. You can't escape the shadow of First Republic, even when Microsoft is a great quarter. First Republic Bank is a regional lender. It suffered $100 billion in deposit outflows last quarter, crashed to a record low yesterday. It's exploring selling up to $100 billion in assets to support its balance sheet. But First Republic's condition is so dire that it sure seems the government's going to have to step in and intervene. Again, there's nothing really terribly wrong with the company's business. They put on a slightly aggressive, no, 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 a slightly less than safe investment push with your deposits. And then the Fed got super aggressive and the just two did not match up. I'm going nowhere near regional banks right now. I don't want it. Don't want the drama. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Oh, generative AI. After President Biden announced his re-election bid yesterday, the Republican National Committee swiftly responded with an attack ad. The video asked, what if the weakest president we've ever had were re-elected? And then imagine the answer. It got help from artificial intelligence. It was kind of entertaining. And yet you look at it and say, that's not supposed to be entertaining. The 30-second video used generative AI tools to create images and video of The Last of Us looking scenes, including the army occupying San Francisco. Something tells me generative AI is going to be a story for quite a while. We now have a term for fake photos that generative AI can use. And there's an app right now that's using generative AI. I can take a picture and generative AI will touch it up, clean it up, and put me in different scenarios. Like maybe a suit that's blue, maybe a suit that's green, maybe a tie that's red. Those are called photos, F-A-U-X-T-O's. When you saw the Pope swagged out in his white puffer jacket, you were like, that's not, is that, we're going to have to figure out, and this is where, believe it or not, cryptocurrency and blockchain are going to be very helpful. Blockchain, very helpful. If an artist, Drake, records a song, he can put it on the blockchain. And a couple weeks ago, you heard about, there's a fake AI Drake song being pushed around and it was, it was good enough to fool a lot of people. It was good enough that people, it wasn't a bad song, but Drake's not too happy about that. So we're going to have to get into some authenticating 
of fake versus real, whether it's photos or music or question mark, question mark, question mark. Alphabet and Microsoft kept calm and they carried on. The two tech giants posted earnings that show they're both on solid footing. Google announced a massive $80 billion buyback that should put a floor under the stock on some level. Not quite there yet. Google cloud services became profitable. Microsoft had a strong quarter and is up large today. What else do we have to hit? Chipotle increased prices and store traffic also increased. That's a win-win situation. You know who also had a win-win situation in earnings? Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Kimberly Clark, Nestle, Procter & Gamble, they all jacked prices up. They all gave you less of what they used to give. So they used to give you 20 dryer sheets. They, They now made them in packages of 18 and kept the price the same. Pepsi CFO yesterday said that customers have already begun opting for cheaper products. And the CEO of McDonald's told Financial Times that customers were starting to push back on the company's beefier price tags. Coca-Cola says it's only a matter of time before they'll have to stop increasing prices or risk losing customers. Interesting, right? The consumer products that we consume, they've played it well to this point, but they're still seeing a slowdown coming. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Don't want to work forever? Check out the Retirement Planning Guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. Meta is set to report first quarter earnings day after the bell. I do enjoy earnings season, but I'm going to be honest. This First Republic Bank is putting a shade that doesn't feel good on the markets. It's allowing things like Bitcoin to increase in value as people go, look, 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 you can't trust the banking system. I wish it was just about earning season. Microsoft and Google, also known as Alphabet. Those are fun calls yesterday. I told you I was going to sit outside in the sunshine and listen to calls, and I did. Meta is going to report today, and I will listen to that. I grew up with technology. I still like growth technology. With that said, companies like Facebook, a.k.a. Meta, Alphabet, Microsoft, Apple are all very big companies playing with trillion-dollar valuations that 20 years ago, you asked me, would a company ever be worth a trillion dollars? I'd said, probably not. That sounds pretty big. And when you're the 800-pound gorilla, you've never heard of anyone talk about the 1,600-pound gorilla. But you've heard people talk about, you know, the steroid-enraged gorilla or the the gorilla, like, I don't know, I'm beating it to death, an analogy that's not working. But it's tough to get bigger when you're that big. Facebook is embarked on a we overhired in 2020-21 and we're going to right-size that in 2023. Mark Zuckerberg has touted 2023 as the year of efficiency as the company deals with numerous challenges to its business. First round of layoff cuts were, it was okay, the way the press portrayed it. We talked about how there are people sitting around doing nothing. Now, the second round of layoffs, which recently started hitting, it's more of the technical people, more of the engineers. And when we're seeing those resumes hit up LinkedIn, 
you go, ouch, that one hurts a little bit more. So 2022, dismal year for Facebook, a.k.a. Meta. 2023, much better form of stock performance. Lesson learned, Wall Street likes job cuts. There is a joke going around that Zuckerberg is now so fascinated with AI that he's going to change the name of his company because two years ago, he got fascinated with the metaverse and he pushed Facebook into this big push to start something up with reality labs and kind of put your headset on and hang out with your friends and go skiing with Mark Zuckerberg. Woo! Something I've been wanting to do my whole life. Now with AI getting all the headlines, there's a, a joke going around that Alphabet or Meta is going to change the name to Meta I. So just add an I at the end and make the A capital Meta AI. Meta I. It's not a funny joke. I never said that. Britain is blocking Microsoft's $69 billion of acquisition of Activision Blizzard. This is one that I don't really get, but I do kind of get. And I own shares of Microsoft should be disclosed. Um, Britain blocking Microsoft's $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard. It's a huge acquisition, first and foremost. Uh, Activision has been poorly managed for 20 years, but they have some franchise games like Call of Duty. Now, Sony has got some franchise games, Call of the Wild. Is that what that's called? Forbidden West. Um, God of War. And they've got franchise games. Ghost of Ishima. But Sony's saying, poor us. Microsoft is getting one of the better franchises. So Microsoft said, hey, we'll make Call of Duty uh, non-exclusive. And we'll make it available to any platform that really wants it for the next 10 years. Horizon Forbidden West. They're not doing that with Microsoft. God of War is not doing that with Microsoft. And for the record, I think God of War has to be coming to HBO sooner than later, right? It is such a dramatic video game of a father and son and a mother who was a, a giant Norse god. And you're like, wait, wait, was she a giant or a Norse god? I think she was both. It's that, and that's where the drama comes in. It'll happen. Anyhow, and anyway, um, pressure on Activision today. That stock's down. I had it just a second ago. 10%. And that was one that Warren Buffett was playing and he got out of smartly. Warren Buffett was saying, well, this deal is going to close because Sony has product and they're bigger than Microsoft and Nintendo has product and they're bigger than Microsoft. Um, how could this be anti-competitive when the third place guys, I, I, I don't, that's where I get, I have problems. But then you start learning about how video games work and the cloud gaming a lot of the cloud games go through Microsoft's Azure online web services to the tune of 70 plus percent. And then you're like, oh, now I see where they're 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 too big. Interesting market today. Microsoft is helping enormously. Companies like NVIDIA, Amazon, AMD. Apple's their turn isn't on the earnings docket until next week. Today we get Meta and tomorrow we get Amazon. Um, look for job cuts out of Amazon. And if it's if Facebook, a.k.a. Meta, is the example, there could be upside. 
And again, I wouldn't buy on one could be. I wouldn't buy on one flag. You always buy stocks on five to seven things you like. And then you kind of ultimately sell the stock on five to seven things that are no longer true. That's a good way to start to approach it. It's way more than that, but you get the idea. Interesting news out of Mattel. Barbie is releasing a new doll with Down syndrome and a new lineup of inclusive figures. Barbie's got a fashionista lineup, which has in the past included a doll with hearing aids and doll comes with a wheelchair and ramp. I think it's great that Mattel wants to be inclusive. Now, let me stop being nice to Mattel and say, sorry, Mattel, people don't play with Barbies as much as they used to or Hot Wheels because we have things called iPads and iPhones. Not a business I would invest in, even though they're doing something wonderful for the Down syndrome community. And uh, what does the Down syndrome doll have? Things like ankle weights uh, to help stabilize the ankles. Uh, Things like one line down the palm, which I had never heard before, but is a characteristic of Down syndrome. Um, A dress with butterflies on it, as butterfly is a symbol for Down syndrome, I believe. Showing you my ignorance of what I know and don't know in the world, right? Spotify CEO today said we'd like to raise prices in 2023. Okay, okay. I will tell you, there's a company called Rocket Money, which makes an app. It used to be called Truebill, but they acquired Truebill and threw it into the Rocket Money world uh, universe. And it allows you to negotiate your subscriptions. They do it for you. They keep a third of the difference, and you keep the two-thirds of the savings. I got to imagine that service is going to do pretty well this year. As we move towards potential recessionary-type numbers, people are going to look at all their subscriptions which is something that that Rocket Money does as an app. It looks through your bank account and tells you what subscriptions you have and don't have. Ten. And then it, it tells you, like, you see how much you're overpaid. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. My favorite segment of the week, patrickohairbriefing.com. I've been using briefing.com for I've been on this podcast radio show for 25 years and I've been using it for at least 20, 20 plus is the way I like to say it. And boy, does that make me feel old? Patrick O'Hare, um, your page one today, briefing.com starts with there is a there is Microsoft and then there is a subdued market. My commentary I started this morning was this first Republic Bank problem for the market is kind of a shadow that we can't break free from even though Microsoft shined a very nice bright light yesterday with earnings. Um, is that kind of where you're getting at with your headline? Yeah, I think there's, there's certainly more than meets the eye. You know, when you saw the, uh, the strong response to Microsoft's earnings report, it was very good. And, and all of the, um, the outlook was encouraging. And, uh, but you didn't really see a really strong response in the equity futures market. And I think that's a bit of a, uh, related to just kind of a bit of a hangover effect uh, uh, in terms of what's going on, not only just with First Republic, but uh, I think when you look back and you look at the guidance we got out of UPS yesterday as well, right. um, you know, Nor- Norfolk Southern today talking about being cautious, you know, for the remainder of the year. Um, I just think that there's a, a realization here, and, and it looks to be manifesting itself certainly in the Treasury market, about the prospect of a you know much slower growth environment 
uh, ahead of us, if not an actual recession. And I think that's really got the uh, kind of the market on a little bit on edge here and is certainly leaving it a little bit skittish to, to pay up uh, a premium multiple here if it's expecting earnings estimates to come down in coming months. It's interesting because uh, just when you think earnings season will be about earnings season, the banking problem crops back up. And <laughs> I was reading about First Republic and some of the problems that they had was they're giving out mortgages to rich people or to, to expensive homes where there was no principal payment, just interest only for 10 years. And that made me instantly think back to countrywide getting in trouble with liar loans where they're giving out mortgages to people who didn't deserve them. They just make up the income. Um, is it the Fed that is breaking the banks or is it the banks that are making the break, break or is it the banks breaking the banks? Um, well, I don't think there's a right answer, but. <laughs> um, you know, I think look, it comes down to risk management and the, the right. individuals managing those banks certainly did not do a very good job of that. You know, and uh, uh, the Fed, of course, we all know, did what it did, right? And it left interest rates too low for too long. And I guess human nature being human nature, people will take advantage of that and uh, and they'll ride it for all it's worth. But, you know, when conditions change, uh, you know, and conditions change quickly and dramatically with the way that the Fed raised rates so, uh, so aggressively, uh, then those, you know, decisions that look like no brainers when rates were low come back to haunt you. And, uh, and yeah, there's a little bit of a, I guess you could say, a little post-traumatic stress there as it relates to, you know, uh, what happened during the financial crisis and, the, you know, the catalyst for that. But, you know, I don't think this, what's now being called not even a banking crisis, but a mini banking crisis, you know, is the same as uh, 2008 by any means. But, you know, I think what's really filtering through the market right now is that not so much the concern about First Republic being a, you know, a, quote, systemic issue. It's just the idea that when you see, uh, you know, a bank like that um, fall apart so precipitously, um, it just puts the market on notice that many other banks are likely going to, you know, be <clears throat> reining in their risk. Uh, they'll be tightening lending standards, not only because of this uh, this episode in the regional bank industry, but because of, you know, leading indicators that are pretty much pointing to, you know, a slower period of growth ahead that is likely to, you know, raise uh, the potential for increased defaults or certainly more delinquencies in, in, in loan payments than, um, than we've been accustomed to seeing in, in recent uh, years. So, uh, you know, that's just going to be a factor that obviously works against stronger growth if banks are going to be tightening their lending standards at a time when uh, the Fed, you know, is raising rates, uh, you know, in a way to try to decrease aggregate demand and to do it uh, by way of, uh, you know, not expressly saying it, but basically implying that uh, you'll see a weaker labor market and more people will lose their jobs in coming months because of the uh, slower growth. We're working with variable parts of the financial news cycle. You just mentioned labor. There's obviously earnings season. There's inflation coming down. We have to wait for another CPI number. Um, interest rates moving higher. Is there anything that right now that we should be looking forward to? Because the earnings season, it seems to be going well, but it's didn't break the market through that S&P 500 short-term mid uh, trading range. What are we looking for at this point? Or is there, I don't, I don't, I'm a little lost here. <laughs> uh, you know, 
that's pro- that's the issue, Rob. Uh-huh. I mean, is that you're not alone in that respect. I mean, there's so okay. many, even this earnings season, right? You, you can you can cherry pick a lot of places where things are sounding pretty good still, right? You know, and then you can cherry pick a lot of places where things are not sounding so good. I mean, if you look just even within the transport sector, right? You have the truckers that are talking about a freight recession. You have the airlines that are saying we're you know just having you know blistering demand here, particularly for leisure travel. Um, it's just a kind of a weird environment, and I think that's lending to some to this range bound action we've been seeing in the market because, you know, there are certainly elements of the consumer, re, you know, remaining resilient. Uh, you heard that out of Visa last night, even right. Um, uh, you can see it even uh, the big picture article I wrote on Friday was it was addressing the the topic of uh, weekly initial claims, which are a leading indicator and probably the key indicator. Uh, when you are looking ahead and wondering when the economy might actually fall into a recession, because, you know, if people are gainfully employed, they're going to keep spending and you're not going to see things like really fall off a cliff. You know, we don't think anyway, economically speaking, until you see a real uh, more concerted loosening in the labor market. We're not seeing that yet, but it's a it's just an interesting vibe. You talk about interest rates going up. Well, that's that's policy rates. You know, market rates are coming down really across most of the Treasury curve. Um, you know, the two-year note yield back under four percent uh, today, and uh, you have a ten-year note yield that's under three and a half percent. And so, uh, you know, and the, the the read-through on that is that there's worries that the Fed is going to keep raising rates and cause a policy mistake really that you know leads to a much harsher economic slowdown than anyone would want to see. And I think the treasury market is kind of bracing itself for that potential outcome. And, you know, when you see the treasury market act the way that it is, um, you know, you have a lot of misgivings anyway about whether uh, the economy will hold up as some people are projecting it to hold up and whether earnings estimates are going to hold up. You know, I would point out that the back half of the year, Q3 and Q4, um, you know, analysts are predicting that, you know, you're going to see, you know, earnings growth on the order of, you know, about 2% in the third quarter and, and close to 9% in the fourth quarter. And that's a little bit hard to believe when you realize that the lag effect of the Fed's prior rate hikes uh, have really yet to hit home uh, in in the economic data, but you know we think that time is coming. It's just the the uncertainty about exactly when is what is kind of um, you know keeping this market sort of locked in into a narrow trading range at the moment. You have any commentary on Fed now? There is a new payment solution which makes everything faster, and it, it, oh. the Federal Reserve is talking about how it could alleviate the need for digital currencies and. As a radio podcaster, I get a lot of calls that are conspiracy theory oriented. Like, do you think this is just in crypto lower? I'm not asking you that, but it seems like a it seems like a pretty useful tool to get money in the hands of people who earn it quicker. Yeah, I you know I I don't have a lot to say, and I, I agree with that that latter assessment there. You know, it's you know going to increase the speed at which uh, things get paid, and uh, that's probably a good thing. You know, to cut down on the latency factor, so. Uh, but beyond that, I'm sorry, I don't really have a lot to say about it. A true professional says they don't know when they don't know, or it's not your cup of tea or your your area of expertise. So thank you. Um, let's just leave it open then. Uh, what are you working on right now for your Big Friday's big picture? Well, you know, looking at a couple things, uh, we kind of 
talked around the edges of you know one potential topic is kind of what we're hearing through uh, this earnings period so far. Um, and the other thing is, you know, obviously you've probably been talking about it. I'm sure your listeners have heard a lot about it. You know, the debt ceiling uh, matter that's kind of pressing a little bit uh, more directly these days in terms of headlines and the potential for the X date to maybe move up into June versus July to September. And um, might take a look at that. And, you know, if you see, it's interesting. You know, I talked earlier about how Treasury yields are you know, coming down across the curve. But you have a three-month T-bill yield, though, that's, you know, that's up today even. Uh, and it's up 34 basis points in the last month. And kind of what I'm driving at is that, you know, if you get an X date sometime in June, well, uh, and there is a default of any kind, you know, those shorter-term, shorter-dated Treasury securities and, you know, might be first in line for default. And so I think there might be a little bit of a hidden message about of nervousness and the fact that you're seeing yields still rise at the very front end of the curve as we talk about the possibility of this debt ceiling um, deadline being moved up earlier than uh, some people were expecting. How much should the average person worry about the debt ceiling quickly? Yeah, probably not overly concerned because they go back to, you know, Winston Churchill's quote, what is it that, you know, American, you can always count on the Americans to do the right thing when they've exhausted every other option. And when I'm driving it, as we do get into a default, things are going to fall apart in a manner of speaking. And Congress is going to come back around and going to raise that debt ceiling. Now, the damage will have been done to a certain extent, but ultimately, things like these Treasury securities, I think, you know, they're going to make good on those eventually. That's why you're not seeing a lot of reaction, I think, on longer dated Treasury securities right now, uh, which might end up being kind of ironically a safe haven trade. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international news. I've been talking to him on air for 20 plus years, and I've been using the service for 20 plus years. It's always incredibly insightful and refreshing, and I always listen to it later in the afternoon one more time. You can find him at briefing.com. This interview featured on The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. I enjoy good fiction and I enjoy nonfiction as well. I try to read one to two books a week. Um, that's how a large part of my evening is spent. Throwing that down for you because everything I've ever learned, I've learned in a book. It's a quote from somebody else that I once saw and um, I loved it. So my favorite book series of all time was called The Depth Third Trilogy uh, by Robertson Davies. Um, I'm not trying to talk all about me here. Just pass it on. If you have any book recommendations for me, please pass them on to me. Cause, uh, when you ask someone, this is a great icebreaker question. What's your favorite book of all time? And a waiter back when I was waiting tables, uh, during the summers of college gave me the depth of trilogy by Robertson Davies. And it's just an incredibly slow trilogy about life in Canada. And it made me want to slow down my life. It's a weird thing to say. But I throw that down for you. Now, I want to push a new product event that I'm throwing down for the first time ever. I'm not sure if I'm going to get a commercial put together on it. It's like a seminar, but it's not at all. May 7th is coming up. It's Sunday. It's less formal. It's going to be in San Rafael. We're calling it Pints and Portfolios. Pints and Portfolios. Join me on a Sunday afternoon at a local watering hole for a beer, some financial chit-chat, and a complimentary portfolio review, a financial snapshot with CFP Dan Futterman. If you've listened to the show long enough, you know that Dan Fetterman and I go back 25 years ago. I hired him maybe 20 years ago. He was a rocket scientist. 
and he came to work as a CFP and he's get his accreditation. He's one of the smartest CFPs. I know he works with CFP Chad Burton. He and I live in the same County. And I was like, Hey, we should do this. I enjoy meeting the listeners. I enjoy meeting the viewers and, um, it's sunny again. And man, does it feel good to sit in the sunshine and read a book? Um, I won't be reading a book. I'll be having a beer with you. This is not for everyone. This is only for people with $500,000 or more because it's really the rub here is a financial snapshot with Dan Fetterman. He's a CFP with uh, EP Wealth Advisors. He's going to give you a second opinion analysis of where you are, whether you're on the road to retirement already there, as well as highlight areas for improvement and opportunities for growth. Um, Are you on the track for retirement or are you already there? Um, I'm not excluding people under 500 K. I'm going to do a different event for people under 500 K later in the year. Um, but this is not for you because it's just gonna be a waste of your time. Um, and ultimately I want to talk to people, you know, who need the financial planning help. Step one is go to my website, sign up on the events tab, go to robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Hit the events tab. Step two is find the pints and portfolio event and click to register. Step three, this is where it gets complicated. During the registration process, you'll be asked to answer a list of questions so that Dan can get a better understanding of you. How old are you? How much do you make? How much does your spouse make? How old's your spouse? Are you going to get an inheritance? It's very basic questions. This is a, a, a good second opinion. It is not a replacement for a financial plan in any way, shape, or form. But if I could get the service done, I would. Um, if you have over 500K, you're 50 plus years old to 75 years old, this is great. Dan's going to give you, you're going to have access to a financial planner. I kind of got the idea from the friends and family event that happens during financial literacy month. And I said, can we just do that for our audience? And instead of making them sit through a two hour seminar, which I think are great. But if I'm going to give up a Sunday afternoon, I'd like to have a beer and talk money. So you can sign up for it. And once you answer all the questions, you'll upload your portfolio securely and Dan will set a a Zoom call and he'll give you a 30 minute complimentary review session and you and your spouse can ask even more questions. Uh, This is going to be a fun event. If it works, I'll do it again in a different area. Maybe next time it'll be in the East Bay. Maybe next time it'll be in San Jose. Um, But seminars are still going to be there. There's one coming up May 25th with CFP Chadbert in the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. If you've been to these events, please don't sign up again because we're trying to get new people there and um, we're reviewing the process to make it a little bit better. So if you signed up for multiple, we're going to ask you not to come, but you can sign up for either event at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. One's coming up a couple Sundays from now, the Pints and Portfolios. I love the name of it. And the second one's coming up a little over a month in uh, the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. Let's move forward with content. One area where I want to show you what's going to work is Meta said it's going to be a year of efficiency. So they're going to be firing people throughout the year. The number one cost of doing business is labor. Wall Street should like this. Um, Google reported numbers last night that didn't slow a marked slowdown in advertising a little bit. Just a skosh. Just a skosh. It's like when Orca the killer whale eats Bo Derek's leg. He could have eaten her whole body. He could have eaten half her torso, but he just is like, yeah, I'm going to take her leg off. <laughs> That's the slowdown in ads. So if you infer anything from that, Facebook and Instagram, Meta should have a decent quarter. They have the right playground to play on. But as they're cutting costs, we're going to see higher earnings. Now, again, we all know that. That's no longer a secret. But that should help the stock throughout the rest of the year. Like Google saying they're going to up their buyback to $80 billion. That should help the stock. 
over the next year. I'm not saying it will, but it's, it's one thing. Spotify CEO said, we'd like to raise prices in 2023, but only when timing is right. That's your clue that it, they're going to try to raise prices, but short term, they, they don't want to piss people off. It's like Netflix. Cracking down on password sharing when originally they seem to be cool with it. Uh, you want to do the right time to look for revenue increases or average revenue per user. And Spotify CEO said, we'd like to raise prices in 2023, but when the timing's right. So when they do, Wall Street's going to go, yay. They've also laid off 6% of their workforce. Um, I believe Spotify is a little bit of a mess, but I love their TAM, their total addressable market. 30. Basically half of the planet. The other half, Apple Music, maybe a little bit go to Google Music. But that's a good TAM. And in a world of investing, if you can get that many people potentially using your service and you could raise prices just a little bit, it drops to the bottom line. Sign up for the events at Rob Black's show. Thanks for listening. I'm Rob Black. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.